Last week we had the pleasure of hearing that we are the, we are the people of God. They're God's people, God's chosen people. This week we get to hear, in response to the question, what is the church? We get to hear the answer that we are the body of Christ. And then Lance next week will continue on with what is the church part three, the household of God. So please be in prayer for Lance. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Uh, we're just so overjoyed to have him with us um, amongst the elders. He has uh, he's brought a giftedness and a wisdom that is just a, a great blessing to us. I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. It's, it's interesting when you're, when you're dealing with a biblical theme, because oftentimes it's hard to anchor solely in one text. So this morning, we're going to actually anchor in two texts, Romans 12 and then 1 Corinthians 12. So you can maybe even uh, get prepared for that, put a bookmark, put a finger. Um, the Pew Bibles... Uh, I'm so thankful for these slides that tell you and me these things. So 948 and 959, if you have a pew Bible. With today's picture of what is the church, the body of Christ, we really get to learn a little bit about the nature and character of God even before we begin. And that is in his kindness in wanting to communicate to us because he uses a word to describe the people of God, the church, that we're all familiar with, and that's the word body. We all have a body. I know it's breaking news to you, but we all have a body. So when we start hearing about body and body parts, or the scriptures sometimes use the word members, um, a body part working or not working, and contributing to the whole of the body, we can understand that. That's very understandable to us because we all possess bodies with many parts. So let's begin our time just by reading. We're going to read in Romans chapter 12 first. We're going to read verses 3 through 8. Then we're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians 12 and read verses 12 through 27. So beginning in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, hear the word of the Lord. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgments, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there we're going to pick up our reading in verse 12, and we're going to hear a lot of common 
words from Paul, one church to another, as it's one spirit that breathes out the word through Paul. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized in the one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we come. We come this morning acknowledging your infinite wisdom. Not only in the sending of your Son to rescue sinners, rebels, who had your just condemnation resting upon us, but Father, for your wisdom in purposing the church, the assembly, and having that Redeemer, the Son, Christ, to be head of that church. And to take all of those who have been baptized into Him by the Spirit to make up parts of the body so thereby we can carry out the will and the purposes of the head. That we can carry out the will and the purposes of the spreading of the head, the King's glory. So Father, knit those truths to our hearts and just change us. Help us to recognize the great privilege we have to be members of the body of Christ. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. What is the church? It is the body of Christ. 
And as we've already seen, we're coming at it from two texts, but we're actually going to work our way there through a couple single texts or passages that we're going to brush by on our way. The first thing we want to know about the body of Christ is that the body has a head. Is there a... Yeah. Is there a way to get that on the confidence screen for me? Thank you. The body has a head. Second thing we're going to notice is this body has a way in. This body has a way in. The third thing we're going to notice is this body has a lot of parts. The last thing we want to notice is this body is a gateway. This body is a gateway. So the first thing we want to notice is that this body has a head. And the head is the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture speaks to him as such in several passages. In Ephesians 1, and he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Four chapters later, Paul goes on, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So he's establishing this order, this created order. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Or from what we read responsively, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. So what do we learn from these flurry of Bible verses? Simply that God, through Paul, uses the image of body to describe the church and that in that body, Christ is the head. Christ is the head. That's really, really important. If you live long enough, you will see people walking around who may be through a, a birth defect or maybe through a war injury don't have an arm, don't have a leg. Or through some sort of surgical procedure have had to have certain things removed. It's a family show, not going to get graphic. But I haven't seen too many headless bodies walking around. Seventeenth century was a great time. Sixteenth and seventeenth century as the Protestant Reformation starts taking hold and and as 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 Bibles are starting to be read and God is being clarified in minds after a after a at times oppressive rule of the Roman Catholic Church. The church sees fit to start clarifying what the Bible says about particular things. And they do that through several confessions that are written. One such confession is the London Baptist Confession of 
written in 1689, well, first in 1677, but then in 1689, a revision. And this is what it says in chapter 26. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's really important in the times of the Reformation to affirm that truth because what had happened was there was a thought that the Pope had become the head of the church. And this confession affirms that the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. By the Father's appointment, all authority is conferred on him in a supreme and sovereign manner to call, to institute, to order, and govern the church. He's the head of the church. One Bible teacher puts it this way, the scriptures describe Jesus Christ as the only one who has the right and power to rule the church. Just as the body receives orders, coordination, and growth from the head, so the church is dependent on Christ. So whatever we think about body, we have to recognize who the head is and what privileges the head has because of who he is and how we must be connected to the head. The church of God is the body of Christ. With the Lord Jesus Christ as the head, we get to, we get to have the privilege of carrying out the king's desires. We get the privilege of doing the work he has commanded. We get to display the glory of the risen king, the head of the body, by being his body. And this is not a body that we are born into. So our second point would be this body has a way in so in our Romans portion, we see, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. And we see a major theological principle here revealed with just two words. And we talked about this in our ABF this morning. And it's simply, when we see in Christ or in Him, that is referring to our union with Christ. What is our union with Christ? That's a very good question. Let's dip back into one of those post-Reformation confessions for a moment. That's the last time we'll visit it. But I think it brings clarity so same chapter on the church, but different confession. The Westminster Confession of Faith says, all saints that are united to Christ, their head. So union with Christ is being brought into and united with Christ, the head. How does that happen? By his spirit and by faith. All these saints that are in union with Christ have fellowship with him in his graces, in his sufferings, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his glory. We are unified with Christ by faith. We are brought into union with Christ by faith. We are brought into him by faith. That's why every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies is secured to us. 
because we've been unified, brought into union with Christ. It's a powerful truth, brothers and sisters. And the Holy Spirit makes us to be part of the body of Christ. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. That is a loaded verse. We could spend the rest of the day, we could spend the rest of the month just talking about this verse. Paul tells us that we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. So that's the baptism of the Spirit. That's regeneration. That's the new birth. He also tells us that this body is not, it's going to be unlike worldly bodies. Worldly bodies gather solely based on they're of the same socioeconomic class or they're of the same race or ethnicity. Or they're of the same hobby. Paul says that this body is going to be made up of all ethnicities and all socioeconomic groups. Slaves to free. And note, even in this verse, he uses two times the one spirit. This body called to life and called in to the body by the Spirit is going to be divinely enabled. We're drinking of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. And that enablement includes God's presence and God's gifting. The Spirit of God gifts us. Each body part has a gift, has a role something to complete the body. And I use parts of the body at times rather than members of the body, even though Scripture uses, like ESV uses members, because I think we understand that better. I don't call my hand a member of my body. So don't get confused if I toggle back and forth. Point number three is... That this body has a lot of parts. So now if you turn to Romans 12. We're just going to look at a couple verses, particularly from there, if you're not already there. So we know that there, the, the church is the body of Christ, and as the body of Christ, Christ is the head. And we must be connected to the head, or the body fails, it falls. It's the one portion of the body we cannot do without. If we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4, we find, for in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So think of your bodies, brothers and sisters. It is made up of a whole lot of body parts. And just like all your body parts look different, all of your body parts play a particular role in making your whole body operate. The same thing is true with the body of Christ. 
there's a lot of parts. And there's a lot of parts that don't look at all alike. There's a lot of parts that function differently. There's a lot of parts that have different purposes. But one ultimate purpose, that is to glorify the head of the church, Jesus Christ, by being part of His body as it flourishes. We find then, he says in verses 4 and 5, for as one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. This is really important as we, we've worked through Romans. Worked through Romans and Paul, Paul is, is laboring during portions of that letter to make sure that this body does not become disunified based on the fact that there's Jews who have embraced their Savior and Gentiles who've embraced the Savior in the same congregation. And what Paul's saying is, yeah, you're different. And so instead of using these differences as a, 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 a weapon against one another, what if we said, this is part of God's purposing, is they have so many different people coming together to show the world that this could actually happen because it is our God who does it. It is not humans who do it. Paul is saying this to the church in Rome, that God has brought a multitude of gifts into one body, one body in Christ, and he says that you actually, in addition to belonging to Christ, you are members of one another. The hand doesn't just do his own thing. He doesn't get his own dressing room after the show, right? He's part of the body. His primary identity is the head. And the head has said that you have been called into the kingdom and you are part of my body. So what's different? Our gifts, our personas, our personalities, our backgrounds. What's socioeconomic? That, that, that means are you rich, you poor, are you somewhere in between? All of these diff different, different ethnicities, different, different levels of education, Different political views. Cubs fans, Sox fans. Only be one of those in heaven. Come see me after service, I'll tell you which one. All of those. It, 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 it blows, it, if the body is humming and working together and dying to self and seeing past all those things, to be part of the body and contribution of themselves to the, the head's body. It blows the mind of the world that's looking for inclusion and looking for peace and looking for harmony. It's only found in Christ's church. Ultimately. So what's different our gifts, our personalities, our backgrounds, all the things I've said, but what is the same? That we are one body in Christ. 
and that we are members of one another. God desires for you, brothers and sisters, and this is part of our calling into the kingdom. He doesn't, he doesn't call us into the kingdom and says, well, yeah, you just go do your free agent thing. You're, you're rescued. Part of your calling into the kingdom is for you to use your gifts to love, to serve, and to bless other parts of the body, helping make the body function as members of one another. We are bound to one another. That's why a membership covenant is such a big deal. We're confessing things. We're, we're members of one another. I'm in this with you for the long haul, we're saying. It's almost like that Merrillville, riches and poor, better, worse, sickness and health. I ain't leaving you. I'm members of you and you're members of me. For the glory of the head of the body. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? Well, in practice, it's not. It's a lot of different folks. It's a lot of different giftings. All called to live in one body together. It isn't easy. And I think that's part of the reason. What fascinates me is if you, if you look at Romans 12, chapter 2 says, do not be conformed to the age of this world. So I think we've talked about in particular particular uh, arenas that every, every portion of time has like an age attached to it, and there's a spirit of the age. There's a spirit of the age that the God of this age is trying to teach us. And Paul says, don't be conformed to that. Don't do it. Don't do it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we started reading in verse 3. And between do not be conformed to the age of this world and all this stuff about the body, he says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. So I, oh, so if I'm, I'm trying to follow Paul's thought here, the, the spirit of the world's trying to teach me something, and then he's talking about being the body, members of Christ, members of one another. What is this age trying to teach me? Well, whatever it is, I know it involves me having a humble view of myself and thinking soberly. Because he goes on to say, for as in one body we have many members. It is interesting that Paul says, as we live in one body together, we need to have a humble view of ourselves. We see that. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12. Like the eyes can't say, oh, smelly feet, I don't need you. We can't do that. We can't think more highly of ourselves than we ought in relation to body. We need to have a humble view as part of our not being conformed to the current age. We need to have a humble view of ourselves, submitting ourselves to the 
head, Jesus Christ. What he says goes. What I say goes out the window. We have to have a humble view that allows us to die to ourselves and our preferences for the good of the body. In part, meaning we, we, we don't call the shots about how we participate, how we use our gifting. Christ the head does. Thinking soberly all along the way. It would seem that if parts of the body have a lack of humility and we just ain't thinking rightly about what the body is and who Christ is, it's going to hinder our view of the body. And it's going to hinder our view of participation in the body. Which, I would say, is maybe the greatest problem facing the church in America today. A, the, the word is ecclesiology. That's the doctrine of the church. I would argue, and I have argued, that a low or almost non-existent ecclesiology of view of the church is one of the greatest problems facing the church in America. We've bought into the concept that rugged individualism that is so, so highly touted in American culture is permissible in Christ's church. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Some of that dynamic is at work there. Paul, and again, this is, so you think about having to set groundwork when you're, when you're teaching on a theme and you pop into a letter. You know, we, we believe in taking the scriptures in the context in which they're written. But boy, when you're doing these themes, sometimes it gets hard, especially like, hey, let me give you a two-minute breakdown in the background of Romans or 1 Corinthians. There's a lot going on in both those books. So really quickly, I mean, you, if you've read 1 Corinthians, and I've had the privilege of teaching through 1 Corinthians, I know Pastor Darrell has as well, there's a lot going on. There's these divided allegiances, there's, uh, there's, there's sexual immorality, there's lawsuits, there's trying to get a right view of what the supper is and what it represents. There's, and that, that doesn't even capture it. But in chapter 12, Paul turns his attention to the gifting of the body of Christ. Picking up in verse 4, a little bit before what we read. Because I had to cut it off somewhere. Verse 4, he says, Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. So we've heard that before from Paul in Romans. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the individual good. The common good. The common this is where we must fight the desire that's still in us to be conformed to the spirit of the age, which is like your gifting, your gifting is ultimately for you, for your satisfaction, for your glory. Paul says the things you've been given is for the common good, the body. 
Everyone in the body of Christ is given a manifestation of the Spirit. There's gifts. There's particularly service. There's certain activities. Why? For the common good of the body. And, and where Paul tells the Romans, don't think too highly of yourself, he says the same thing to the Corinthians. Remember? I'm an eye, get those stinky feet away from me. He addresses that here too. But also what he does here is he says at the same time, don't think too lowly of yourself. Pastorally speaking, and this is anecdotal, which means it's just only drawing from my experience, I would argue this is the greater thing that I deal with or maybe we deal with. Some people believe their gifts just really aren't significant enough to make a difference. Or maybe they're not even existent at all. Verse 15, Paul says, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a body part. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of the body part. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Spirit of the age, spirit of the age, Coca-Cola company, CEO, utmost importance. He's coming in the room or she's coming in the room, shut everything down. Guy who's mopping the floor or gal who's stocking the shelves, far less important. That's the lenses through which the world views things. The church isn't like that. The people who use their gifts to serve this body in things that seem so simple and mundane. I don't even want to name them, but you, you can envision some. They're, they're no more important than me in the grand scheme. Pastor Darrow, the elders, the deacons, whomever. Paul says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, meaning we can't do without them. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. See how this works? Every part of the body matters. Next week, next, I don't even know what the date is anymore. I know we're in January. So next week's the 21st. So we're having a, we're having a class that if, Children who've been baptized here, as you, you know, we, we, the, the elders approved a position paper on children, baptism, and membership. And, and next, next week, we're going to have a class that is a, a, it's like a child membership class. So for, for people that are not, have not yet reached adulthood, and, well, or actually we're saying 21 at this point, just because of some things constitutionally. But we're baptized here as a child. We're having a class. 
And anybody who's been baptized here as a child and still is under that age, by coming to that class, they'll become members of the church. And I think what that is, I think that's actually believing what God has said in his word. Because we could look at those, some of them still children, still some adult by, by maybe legal nature, and we could say, do you know what? You're not of any less importance. You are not a second-rate member of this church. You're part of the body of Christ, gifted by God. And this church needs you. Now, it's new. We're going to have to shape that a little bit. There's going to be some manifestations of gifts we're going to have to grow into. We admit that. But we're going to believe what the Scriptures say. That if they're in Christ, they've been baptized, and we're baptizing them into membership, we believe they're being joined to this body we believe that they are a vital, vital part. There's no asterisks. We don't read 1 Corinthians 12 and say, look at the asterisk. Oh, that's only for people above 18. I never saw that before. It's not there. There's so much for us to learn. There's so much that we need by having these body parts further complete the body. I think that's faithfulness to the Scripture. That's faithfulness to the image of body. We are one in Christ. We are gifted by the Spirit. Those gifts are given by our Lord according to His purposes, and they are all equally important. They are all vital to reflecting Christ the King. They are all vital to the work of the kingdom. They are all vital for God to be glorified by His people by the household, by the temple. All the things that we're going to hit on. And this body, the body, needs every part functioning. This body needs every part present and participating, exercising their gifts, bearing one another's burdens. We've had it, right? My, my arm falls asleep. What do I do? That left arm picks it up. Maybe my knee, and I'm hopping across with the box. My, my, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, gotta, I need a sermon illustration, honey. I got to go through with this. So now we're, so now we're at a cross. So, so crossroads. So either I could, I, could bring, I, could bring out, I could bring out the elder stick. I could call it the shepherd's crook, right? And beat you over the head with it. Come on, people, we need more of you. Or, or we, could, we could view the body as a gateway. And this is where, this is where I, I, I think is, is my posture. I know it's the elder's posture, and, and I think it would be your posture as well. I think the body is a gateway. To what, you ask? That's a great question. I, I would argue, and again, this is something we talked about in ABF. This is a, a gateway 
to the abundant life that God has purposed for his people in and through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe that the the church, the body of Christ, and here I'm talking about the, the local expression of body of Christ. So we know, we know when we, we look at the word ecclesia, if we look at the word that's translated church, one of the primary meanings of that is the assembly. And so for me, in the New Testament, I, 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 gotta, I gotta go local first. I think there will be a gathering of the assembly around the throne. That's, that's universal, but I'm, I'm talking local here. Just even based on word usage primarily. I would argue that God in his infinite wisdom has purposed the church as the instrument of his grace whereby we get to experience the abundance of the life Christ came to purchase right now. It's coming. Oh, it's going to be glorious in its fullness. Presence of God, absence of sin, and everything else in between. But there's abundance in life now on the way there that I believe God has purposed the church to be the instrument of. It is within the body of Christ that we find true sacrificial love. It is within the body of Christ that we are accepted. We are welcome despite our pasts, despite how much money is in our bank account. It's within the body of Christ that the true, lasting, life-changing impacts occur. Life as part of the body. It is within the church, the body of Christ, that life with God and with one another is modeled, made up of every tribe, tongue, and nation now to some degree, every socioeconomic, a bunch of rascals who outside of one spirit and one Christ would have nothing to do with one another. Somehow living in a self-sacrificing harmony. It's part of the abundant life. It is within the body of Christ that we get to be the hands, the feet. Now we're just going to actual body imagery. We get to be the hands. We get to be the feet. We get to be the arms. We get to be the ears. We get to be the nose. We get to be the mouth of King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is within the body of Christ that we get to get a taste, a foretaste of what the kingdom in all of its fullness is going to be. It is in the body of Christ, in union with Christ our head, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get to experience the abundant life, the greener pasture that our Good Shepherd is always seeking to lead us towards. The body is a gateway. When we prioritize the body of Christ, in response to Christ the head who desires such things. When we prioritize the body of Christ, when we are present with the body of Christ, when we are participating in kingdom of life with the body of Christ, the abundant life is lived. I honestly believe that. That's why I always think about it. I'm my tombstone. My wife's probably sick of this. Plus, she's like, how big is this tombstone going to be? It got like 17 chapters on it already. Well, she's just going to put, yeah, he was long-winded and cheap, so this is it. But I always, I always say, look at, 
here's my order. I, I, follow, follower of Christ, devoted husband, loving father, churchman. Churchman. So I believe that's the importance of the church. Hmm. I don't have a slide for this. If I had a fifth point, but I was running out of space. Hurdles to the gateway. What blocks the gateway? So God desires for us to experience this, be part of this, the body flourishing and functioning, working together for the glory of the head, spreading the kingdom, living in the blessings of the kingdom. What kind of things come to stop that? Well, we know whatever it is, it's going to come from here naturally, and then there's going to be the spirit of the age is going to be like, yeah, man, go, go. So we can't be conformed to it. First thing, and I've already alluded to it, is individuality. The desire to be our own God. The desire to acknowledge my gifting from God, but use it in whatever vein I choose to use it in, rather than what God chooses to use it in. The number of people I meet week to week that have no affiliation at all with the local church yet call themselves Christian is troubling. And one of the things I do typically in response, and I, I don't try to beat them over the head, right? I, I stick to the midsection, takes the wind out of them. I, I ask them questions from like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Well, how do you do this? How do you fulfill this? Well, I'm saved by faith, by grace through faith alone. No, I'm not questioning that, but I'm saying you're robbing yourself. And in some ways, you're robbing God because you're depriving a body of a part it needs. That's my argumentation. Individuality. Second thing, and I, I stopped at 32. So this is the second thing. <laughs> this is at some point you guys just that's enough he's done just get him out of the pulpit so second thing is we have a propensity to make other communities other communities the primary place which these truths are attempted to be carried out um, I, good, good things could be parachurch organizations good things you ready for a steel toe moment? Always have those steel toes on. I have mine on because I've fallen. Um, could be Christian schools. Good things. Good things. But it's the church. Could be, one of the hurdles could be the belief, and I alluded to this earlier, that our, our gifting, we, we believe our gifting is either not present or it's insignificant in comparison to others. And, and part of that is the duty of, of us, right? As we bring people in and as they're with us and we're studying together and we're eating dinner together and we're serving together, we're like, you got a gift. I think that's part of the duty of the elders. 
is to help people recognize, because we start with the premise, according to what God has said, that everybody, as a manifestation of the Spirit, has a gifting. And I, 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 I don't want you ever falling prey to either I don't have one, or it's so insignificant, that's just not true. And I say that wanting you to, to enter that gateway into that abundant life through life in and amongst the body of Christ under Christ the head. And we must understand the age of this world, which of course is designed, designed by whom? The, the God of this age that is trying to get us away from the abundant life. He, he, wants, us to, he wants us to settle for he wants us to settle for the, the bankrupt copies of what God has promised. He wants to get us away from the abundant life. He wants to try to impair God's design for glory through the body. He wants to try to hinder the work of the kingdom displayed in the body and, and forwarded by the body. That's his goal. We mustn't fall prey. So three things. These are just three summations and I'm going to tell you what I'm praying for and then we'll pray. Uh-oh. I don't know what happened with number one there. That's a, The church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head of the body. The church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head of the body. And remember what the head means. Remember what the head means. You could look at that London Baptist Confession 20. You could, look, you could Google search it, 20, chapter 26 in particular. Number two, being called into the body is part of the purposing of our salvation. You're rescued, you're baptized, right? Paul, Paul in the midst of this, is talking about being baptized by one Spirit. So part of this is a gifting of the Spirit that then, Paul goes on to argue, is to be played out as a member or a part of the body. It's all part of it. It's all part of God's purpose before he created dirt to rescue you and bring you into the church. Don't separate those things. Harmonize those things. Thirdly, we all, we need all parts active and participating or the body operates at a loss. Imagine waking up in the morning and your right arm's not there. Would life look a little bit different? When parts of the body just aren't flourishing, not operating, they're not participating, they're not expressing their gifting in who they've been remade to be in Christ, the body's impaired by that. Those are the three things I would just really want you to leave here with. And my prayer, and then I'm going to just pray, is that, that we would take hold of the blessings God has purposed for us by making us part of the body. You know what a blessing it is to be part of the body of Christ. leading to a greater desire. See, we're up here preaching truth, right? We're, we're, we're preaching what God 
says. And remember our heart, when we, when we get right thinking about stuff, then we're asking for God to create a desire inside of us for the right thinking. We don't want to be desiring wrong things, wrong thinking. We want, to, we want to refresh our minds from what God has said, knowing the Spirit who inspired the Scripture is helping us. We, 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 want to, we want to think right things about God and His kingdom and about us, and then we want to ask God to stir our desire towards those right things and then act according to those desires. So my prayer is that we take hold of the blessings God has for us by making us part of the body of Christ, leading to a greater desire there's that desire of the heart to glorify God through prioritizing and participating in it. So there is the thoughts, the desires, and the actions, the volitions, the commitments of our will. And therefore then come and eat from the green pastures, the abundant life that God has purposed for us through the body of Christ pray together. Father, I'm just so grateful. Just so grateful. Father, once again, we come and we praise your name for your goodness and your holiness. We praise your name. We praise your name for your wisdom in, in calling together a people, the people of God, and calling them into a body where we get to display your glory through your gifting and through the presence of your Spirit in us. Father, we give you glory for purposing your church, which is so antithetical, so opposite of how the world tells us we have to operate to flourish. And yet, it is with your presence, by your Spirit, according to your word, in sacrificial love and serving of one another, other parts of the body, that true flourishing and abundance happens. And we want to drink of that till the front of our shirts are soaked because we've been drinking so hard from it. So bless us, Father. Help us. Help us desire more. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.